0: Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast episode 62. But before we get into today's episode, let me just tell all of you audio listeners, if you are listening on audio, head over to YouTube where you can watch us in full Technicolor. And whilst you're there, just do what all YouTubers tell you all the time. You know, hit that subscribe button, hit the bell, all of that jazz so that you always get notified when we do something new or different. We never do anything different, do we? I do. do See? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, so it is episode sixty-two, and today's special guest is none other than the master of color gels, educator, and Podlemania podcast host, Jake Hicks. Jake, how are you doing? Hey man, how you doing? Thank you. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Excellent. So, um,
1: how's how's the the last year been for you? Uh, much the same as everybody, I should think, uh, you know, it's been, it's been different. It's been a learning experience in terms of, you know, the way that my business has had to change and adapt over the last, how long has it been? It's been 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, uh, yeah, very very different and you know with all of us you know we're sort of like thrown into the deep end with it it's not like right in six months time or in 12 months time your business is going to change so you know get get ready for it you know get prepared mm. <laughs> it was just you know everybody had the rug sort of pulled out from under them so it was definitely uh, yeah it's uh interesting um and uh, different but uh, yeah, yeah like yeah. everybody else just uh getting on with it really did you take um, did you take
2: any time once you know because it's pretty much it was one day and everyone went oh they work, brilliant. Um, <laughs> did you just kind of just take a bit of time to kind of just reevaluate where you are, and it's kind of okay. This is what I was doing. Perhaps I can do this, or let's just see what happens over the next, say, three or four months. Uh, what, what what kind of went through your mind at that moment?
1: I think you know, for me, like you know, like yourselves, and I'm sure, like you know, many other shooters. It, you know, it was a case of uh, many jobs were cancelled, um, and. I think it's not like normal cancellations, right? Because, you know, like we all get cancellations. I get it. Something comes up, whatever, schedule's got to change and that sort of thing. And you're like, okay, well, we can reschedule that. Okay. But nobody was rescheduling anything. And that was the other issue, like, and immediately became apparent that, you know, it's just not being able to plan, not knowing what's going to happen in next month, let alone six months, let alone 12, 18 months, which is where we are now. Um, obviously, we, you know, none of us knew that at, at the time, but it did become very apparent to me that because nobody was rescheduling or even entertaining the idea of rescheduling, it was it was like that was that, that was kind of scary because you, you, you are looking at a completely empty diary. You know, um, so it was a case of uh, yeah, I needed to sort of change change things quite quickly to uh, so that we could try and get some some money coming in without without mm. having to leave leave the house, as it were, and break any rules. Yeah, you know? so I think you
0: know, in the beginning, when when we first got a whole lot of um, cancellation um, phone calls, you know, especially amongst my conference clients, because I shoot typically, well, I used to shoot a lot of conferences before before COVID. Um, I think there was still some kind of hope that maybe things could get rescheduled for the autumn because it's yep. this, you know the second uh, conference season of the year, um, because nobody really knew how long this whole thing was going to take. You know whether it was just whether it was going to be over in like three weeks' time or whether we we're still going to be exactly. locked up yeah. after the summer. You know, yeah. And I remember thinking, I mean, at the time, I remember thinking, what they're rescheduling for the fall? That's crazy. I mean, that I means like six months. You know. And uh, little did little did we know that this wasn't going to be the end of it. Exactly. Know? Yeah. It, and of course, yeah. when we got to the fall or to the autumn, it was like, wow, how ridiculous to even think that this could take place,
1: you know? From my point of view, you know, I, I mean, I'm I'm very fortunate in that I had a fairly large and uh, the race of. Uh, community that wanted to, uh, Mm. you know, sort of uh, that was already there and willing to engage in what I was doing anyway. So I was able to sort of turn around and go, well, look, we're all stuck indoors. Let's, let's do some online work together, you know, on, you know, so so I've I've done a lot of online workshops and online mentoring one-to-one sessions with people. But again, like I'm in a super fortunate position that I already had that very, you know, substantial and engaged Mm. Community already there, so it was already there. Sort of like you know, you know, they were at home as well, so it kind of made sense. But I, like I said, I fully appreciate that, and you know, I'm in a very fortunate position that I had that community there to begin with, because most, you know, most most don't. You
2: know, you know I think we we said this with um, Daniel Norton um, recently that, yeah, you know, knowingly or unknowingly, you set yourself up in advance to prepare for when the work isn't there, for whatever reason, that work wasn't there. You've got, you've built that community. You've built, um, you know, you're surrounded by clients and people who follow you that you can pull upon when you need to. And that's just smart business planning, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's fun at the same time, but it's smart to have that in, in, in place. And like you say, yeah, it's very, very, very fortunate that you, you know, you had that, but at the same time, I think that's just incredibly savvy. (laughs) <laughs> to, to have already had that in place. And I don't yeah, think everybody I mean, does I mean, that.
1: The other thing as well is that as soon as I started to do it, I was like, well, it's not like after this, I mean, let's just say quarantine ends tomorrow. It's not like I have to go, well, I, I know I have to stop that, you know, because That's, this was something that I was like, you know, I mean, I had never really had the time to put this together and, you know, write write these sessions and, and sort of work work with people and never really had the time before. But, now, you know, once all this is in place, I mean, I, I can, and I, and I and I'm sure I will carry it on. After we're able to, you know, go, go outside again freely, mm. um, so it was it was definitely, you know, I could see immediately that it was actually going to be a long term investment and a benefit, not just mm. you know for the next three weeks or six months or however how long it was going to be, yeah.
2: Because
1: mm. mm. the
0: thing, I mean, for for those of you who don't know, um, of course, on one hand, um, you you obviously a working photographer, but on the other hand, um, a, a lot of your work goes into the kind of Education, huge it now. yeah, 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 and,
1: yeah. And, and that wasn't something that was initially planned years ago. It wasn't mm-hmm. like that, you know, the, your big, you know, what's your five year business plan, Jake? It certainly wasn't wasn't like that. Um, <laughs> I was just working, and uh, and then. I think, uh, pro edu, you know, the, um, film production company over there in the U S in St. Louis reached out to me. It was like, do you want to do a video? And I was like, well, of, of what? (laughs) Um, it was like, we've been getting a lot of requests to, you know, learn about gelled lighting. And I was like, yeah. Okay. I mean, it sounds, sounds like a interesting opportunity. I mean, worst, worst case scenario, I get a free trip to America. So yeah, that's, um, give it a go and then it sort of like grew from there really you know like they you know they put, put the video that was that was extremely successful and then you know more and more people wanted to learn more about it so it wasn't like this thing that i had in my mind okay my business my, my strategy is to educate people it was just something that people sort of yeah liked like the way that i taught them i think it's because i'm half daft as well so you know i speak in a more common <laughs> language rather than uh, <laughs> You know, I'm not all about the ratios and uh, whatever it is. So it's yeah, so just, just getting it out there in a in, in a sort of a more normal language, as it were. And uh, yeah, people seem to respond to it and wanted more of it. So yeah, as you rightly said, I, I do a lot of education now. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I couldn't have planned it like this. But yeah, it's been great.
0: Well, I think that really comes across, you know, for, for anybody who hasn't checked out your website, we will, you know, put your URL at the bottom of the screen right now. But um, there's so much free stuff on your website as well, so much information, you know, for people to get um, to get into. So on one hand, you've got you know video courses, but on the other hand, even beyond that, there's so much free stuff that's uh, that's available, you know, for people to learn and to get into um, colored gels. And I read um, I read one of your blogs or one of your articles about how to make your own uh, background. Oh yeah. 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 Which is very interesting because I've, I've, for some reason I've been looking for exactly that. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> can really, you yeah. tell me why Super you've not easy. created yeah. one? Yeah.
1: Because I only just found it like literally. Kind of uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the other benefit as well. You know, I think that, uh, I think for many photographers that maybe have been doing it a long time and people come along to their website, I, I think it can be quite you know, it's difficult to gauge how long somebody's been shooting, right? Especially now with post-pro and that sort of stuff. How long is it? has this person been shooting six months or has he been shooting 20 years, you know? And I'm in a very fortunate position that I've been working on that website for, you know, over 10 years now. So, yeah, like you just do a little bit at a time, one blog here, one blog there. And then 10 years later, you just have this just colossal just data bank of um articles and blogs and i quite often get quoted and i'm like oh that's that's an interesting idea it's like yeah jake i got it off your website yeah a long time ago i can't remember everything but mean,
0: <laughs> uh, uh, uh. well, you know what what i found really interesting just looking through this like literally um your gazillion of articles um that are on your website you know i kept thinking like i kept wondering what well, have you have you ever thought about turning these into into videos because there are a lot of like youtube channels for instance you know like Educational YouTube channels, something like that. Have you ever thought about turning turning these, um, you know, these blogs into videos at all, or not?
1: Yeah, I mean, we did sort of discuss it at one point, and and uh, I think it's a really sound idea. And, and you know, there's a couple of things that I think that they could do. Like for me, I would rather do more of the sort of the workshop converted into a video type thing, which is, which is probably a far deeper level in terms of training. So, you know, talking Mm -hmm. about the theory of it, you know, the lighting theory, the principles of it, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? Um, and this is no disrespect to any YouTubers out there or anything like that. I fully respect that that is definitely, you know, a you can make good money doing that. Um, I just feel that the YouTube algorithm and the way that, that business model is set up is is just, it just doesn't, for me, it just doesn't pay back into education. You make more money on YouTube by putting out little videos frequently. You just never really get under the skin of anything. And don't right. get me wrong, there's plenty of YouTube videos. I, I'm sure they can teach you absolutely tons. But for me, you're not really scratching the surface. They're just showing you, just copy what I do for, for the next 10 minutes and one second, mm. and you'll be fine. Uh, which is fine, which, which is, which is great, but you know, they're not, they're not really showing you alternatives or watch out for these mistakes or you yeah. know don't, don't do this and get this modifier and, you know, try out this DIY. Like it's not a complete package, but I, I, you know, I understand that the YouTube algorithm doesn't, doesn't pay people to produce high quality, long form content really. Cause you know, it's just more videos more frequently is, you know, if yeah. that's how you make good good money on YouTube. So, yeah. We we
0: we see that actually, you know, with uh with our channel because you know we're obviously we're a podcast. Our our episodes are several hours long, usually. So <laughs> yeah.
1: it's well, like why are you looking so I thought, thought, so thought were like what do you mean several hours? <laughs> you didn't know well. Yeah. Um
0: we're yeah. here yeah. till tomorrow. I'm well, sorry about uh, it. It? <laughs> So you know it's very it's very it's very different from um from, you know, I don't know, like channels that have like five minute videos on there and, you know, there's like a gazillion on there. Um, but, it, so it's, I forgot what I was going to say.
1: Just the length like of YouTube videos and the way that that sort of architecture works. And, and, and like, it, you know, it obviously works really well if you have like a slightly controversial topic that you're also discussing as well. And, you know, I know yeah. some YouTubers yeah. will actively leave little little tidbits out of the data so that you're encouraged to ask questions because again, comments feeds the system mm-hmm. and look, look, I get it. Like they're like this, their business, like they, you know, it makes total sense for them to do that. You know, it's a smart way to engage people because they want to ask questions because that in turn shares the video more, but it's like, again, it's just not conducive to education in my opinion. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I find, I mean, who doesn't go on YouTube to find out something, right? But that's, that's what I do. If I'm if I'm, <clears throat> if I'm in the middle of a project or whatever I'm doing, I go, my God, how do I do that? Why can't I f- remember or think how to go about doing whatever it is? Usually in a piece of software, usually yeah, in yeah, yeah, DaVinci, yeah. usually in Photoshop or something like that. Well, how, to, how? YouTube? It is the most perfect resource for that type of thing for me because yeah, yeah. it's a yeah, quick it's two minute video quick <clears throat> five minute video <throat> yeah wonderful. wonderful wonderful that's
1: true but actually to learn that is, your... you know it, it is kind of like a like a sort of mini chapter isn't it you're googling a mini chapter and uh you know and, yeah. and over time it's, it's up to you to piece all these chapters together in yeah. terms of a photographic idea but yeah and you're if right, you're, you're i'll tell you what if Jeff you're
2: just learning that is the hardest thing in the
0: world to do well that's the biggest problem i always feel it's because um the one, I mean, the biggest problem when you start learning anything is that from the outset you don't know what you don't know. So when you, when, you know, when you're Absolutely. when you're confronted with like an ocean of of tiny little videos or pieces of content, which overall may have everything you ever need to know in there, but since you don't know what you're actually looking for, exactly. it's virtually impossible to um, to piece the whole thing together. It's like it's like a massive puzzle where somebody's just taking all the pieces and, and throwing them have all to around
1: hold the them in room. your head yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and not, then you're uh, not getting the complete package yeah exactly it's,
2: exactly, and then you get the um contradictory videos telling you complete opposites of something that you're gonna have <laughs> well, yeah. well, it's true, yeah, okay it's true. yeah this yeah. one's got more subscribers, but this one's got more views <laughs> on that video yeah. who that do means I that trust more, more controversial
1: yeah you know yeah. <laughs> who knows um who knows. But, Circling back to your original point there about turning the um, videos in, yes, you know, I suppose you could, you could turn um, videos into, you know, those blog posts into YouTube videos. I- I'll be honest with you, I'm not, uh, I don't get a huge amount of enjoyment out of video editing, um, personally, <laughs> you know, I-, I enjoy Photoshop and doing that but it's but it's yeah. a one and done and i can move on right you know it's completely as a hard stop at the end of that and i move on yeah. um, the video editing thing is not really something that that excites me as much um so i think from my point of view what i'd like to do in the future and what i would, would aim to do if i can find the right video production company is to just actually shoot proper proper full videos rather than just these 10 minute snippets but that's just me yeah. mm-hmm.
2: But that, that would be quite a resource to be able to to, to sell, right? As a you yeah. know, a it one effectively one of your workshops in exactly video right. form, exactly right. You yeah. know, because they're all and,
1: written in that in that form. It's not just like okay, turn up exactly, and get out your camera. They're, like, they're they're written in an educational form, as in intro theory, exactly. putting it into practice. So I mean, they're all like, literally all all I need to do is just present it in front of a camera. I just haven't found yeah. found the right company to do it with you.
2: Find a handful of five minute snippets in there that you can, you could That's actually upload to YouTube. Yeah. In there, they they're your promotional material. Or they're your yep. free free gift to everybody's Hey, yeah.
1: yeah,
2: you know what I mean. I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's a really interesting idea to go about that.
1: Yeah, and I think you guys are touching on. Well, I mean, we're, we're all touching on it now. But this 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 new era of photography that we're in, with regards to like what is a photographer and how do you make money in the business? You you know, and I think that, I mean, 20 years ago when I started, you know, I was shooting on film and I would just do anything and everything, you know, a charity event, a wedding, corporate headshots, you know, family photos and, and, uh, uh, you know, anything in your area, in your region, I would just call like, like a postcode shooter, which is, which is what I was anything in my postcode that needed a camera. That's, you know, that's what I would go and shoot. But, and I think that the mentality of people out there at the moment is still like, a photographer is somebody who stands up and takes pictures for money. But I think now, you know, there are so many ways to make money from taking pictures today that I think people aren't kind of coming to terms with as much. Oh, you're not a real photographer. Oh, okay, fine. But uh, I certainly know a lot of professional photographers are <laughs> I mean, terrible. Like, is, is does that mean that they're better? I, you know, I don't know, you know. Well, so I mean, you know, the thing is, the That's industry true.
0: as such has changed so dramatically over the last two decades, yeah, you know, hugely, with, hugely. usually, I mean, with, you know, with the, with the advent of digital, you know, through to like, you know, camera phones and the proliferation of, you know, everybody having a the opportunity to take, to take photos um, via their phone, you know, in their pocket and all that. Um, it, it's really changed. It changed everything completely. And it's, it shouldn't really be surprising mm-hmm. that the people who work in the industry change along with it. So, you know, I don't really necessarily think it should be that much of a surprise that, you know, professional photography nowadays nowadays means something very different from what it meant, you know, 10 years ago or, or 20 years ago.
1: Yeah. And there are still those people like, right at the top of the pyramid, right? Those, those people right at the top. And they're making mad money, absolutely mm. insane money. But that, that tip of the pyramid is tiny. It's minuscule. Mm. And those are the small people that, that are making like the... You know the Prada ads and the you know and the mm. Nike ads and that sort of stuff, and then you have this just this huge wedge underneath that of everybody else scrapping it out underneath for you know trying to make make money in any way they can, whether it be on YouTube or doing training or um, whatever it is that they're doing. You know, and um, I think that that people people would only see these people at the top as, yeah. as that. And I think that that is kind of weird and it will change, I, you know, you, like you're seeing it in young people coming out of college, you know, our college and uni now, and, and, and their mindset is very different. You know, I think those of us that, or that, that sort of came, or are stuck in this sort of middle ground where digital trans transferred, struggling with, with this idea. But thankfully, I think young people coming into it are like, yeah, no, I can make a great living on TikTok. Like I'm a photographer. Like what? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see what your yeah. yeah, exactly. Sure. I agree. I agree. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. I've do you know I still I've never downloaded TikTok. No, nor have Can I. I just that? thought
1: I'd just just you know, just let everybody know that I was aware of it, you know. <laughs> I just to it. My my wife my wife
2: is a massive
0: TikTok Same, consumer. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like I have to watch cat and dog videos Same, virtually every yeah, day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, I just <laughs> mm. well, okay, I barely I go on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I, was bad. I feel better already yeah i mean see, the thing the
0: thing about social media is you know on one hand of course um you know i can see it in my kids i mean obviously they have a completely different relationship to social media than than i have and, and you know I, I can say that i really for the best part grew up with i didn't necessarily grow up with facebook but facebook was you know it's the first social for us wasn't it social yeah media yeah, for sure what yeah. Yeah. was it email
2: do you remember email do you know I've rewatched? Uh, it's totally off topic, but I was rewatching one of the episodes of the uh, the UK Office the oh. other week. And he goes, "Yep, he's just showing it." Yeah, have, have you got email? Have you used that before? It's like, how was that used to be? That's nuts. That's nuts. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You
0: know, I still my my first ever email account is actually still active.
2: Mine too. Yeah. Mine too, it's nothing I'd put on a CV anymore. But well, it's no, still no, there. no, you wouldn't.
1: Jesus, you would. would love to see the spam in there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I haven't checked it in years, but it's still. No, I say, do not open that. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: uh, but it's it's one of those things, isn't it? Because you know, on, on one hand, um, you know, social media seems to be almost like you know, the like the curse of modern photography. But on the other hand, of course, it's it's an extremely useful tool. Mm. Like you know. Uh, like for you, for example, how like the how would you sort of rate the impact of social media on
1: on on your career as such? Uh, I mean, it's just just a small question there, um, <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a light one. Uh, yeah, pretty 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 substantial. Uh, hmm. I would, I mean, just, just just to give a quick sort of rundown. I, you know, I did. 20 years ago, I was shooting freelance. Digital came along. It became very, very difficult to charge the sort of prices I was charging. So I sort of dropped out of the industry for a couple of years, came back to it, worked full-time in a studio as a salary guy. So Mm -hmm. you just turn up, right? Jake, you're in studio one, photograph in a yoga book cover. Jake, you're in studio two, photograph in a family shoot, corporate headshot, yada, yada, yada. Paid terribly, but, you know, you're just a monkey for hire, as it were, just in terms of, you know, you're in a studio. And it was, I think had social media not been, not been there for me, I think it would have been very difficult for me to get out of that situation without, mm-hmm. without shooting stuff that I didn't really want to shoot. Right. Social media at the moment allows me to make a career out of stuff that I really mm-hmm. enjoy photographing and, and I'm really passionate about. And, and I'm, and I'm very keen to keep pushing myself because of social media and, 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 and that constant pressure. Right, um, so it is a love hate relationship. Uh, you know, you know. You, sometimes you can go on there and you can get super depressed. It's like, oh my god, I'm terrible. It's just like everybody else is mm-hmm. much better than me. I just, Jesus, I'm just stagnating. What am I doing? And then, you know, you, I, you know, I think, I, I think you can sort of, you, you can take that on board, and then you can use that as fuel to go right. I, okay, look, we need to, we need to, need to get some shoots booked in. We need to try out some th- these ideas and push that forward. So I think it's up to you as to how you want to take it. I think. I think it can be crushing. I, I really do think it can be crushing. And I think it can hold, hold people back because they just think, oh my God, I just, you know, I'm never going to be that good. You know, it's just impossible. But I think, you know, you can look at it in a different way and go, look, use that as a catalyst to get out there and start, you know, and start shooting because people, people who are, who are not like that just like flatline for years. And it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you're happy with that, but don't you want to push yourself a little bit further? And I think that can, that can help.
0: The thing is, like I always, you know, I often find that when you know when I look at um, photographers' work, especially photographers like yourself with a very distinctive style, um, you know, you, you look at um, social media accounts, like you know, say Instagram accounts, for instance. You know, I often wonder, like, which way around did, did this did this happen? Was this like a total reaction to um, to what's hip on Instagram, or was this basically sort of a personal project that then sort of took off? You know, so because your style is very social media friendly in many, in many ways. Okay. Can you know, I be- ask what, what, what you mean by that? Sorry. It's, you know, sometimes, um, you'll see, you'll see certain so photographic styles like, like yours, for example, which is extremely colorful. I mean, you're, you know, the, Oh, you saying true. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, your, uh, your style is so impactful, um, that especially when you see it, um, in the form of a gallery, it's just, it really works as a, as a complete okay. yeah. set of of work, if that makes sense, rather than just an individual image. I mean, although each individual image is is stunning in its own right, when you see it in context, it's it's even more overwhelmingly awesome. Yeah. That's the thing. You look at the whole gallery and you go, "What the heck is going on there?"
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, that's that's always been my. Philosophy behind my art as well. I mean, and Mm. we don't need to go too too deep into this. But as to you know, art only exists with an audience and all that sort of stuff. If you know, if nobody saw your work, would you still produce it? Yada yada yada. You can you can argue that for sure. But for me, in terms of a business point of view, it has always been look. It's so competitive, and social media is here what can you do to make somebody stop on your image for a split second longer? Mm. Like, what is it that you can really do to make that image stand out for just a fraction of a second more? And, and that was kind of one of the catalysts behind just doing some crazy stuff with lighting and that sort of thing was to try and do that, you know, because everything can look a bit vanilla and you're just scrolling through it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really what I'm trying to get at is basically, you know, for, for you, was social media just sort of an extension of your of your personal style almost? Um, so did you, you know, did you get into shooting with with uh, with these vibrant colors and colored gels um, before you ever thought about social media as a form of
1: Yeah, good question. And it's I mean, it's not not really. what what was happening was just going back when I was shooting in that studio full time. It was like hmm. like crazy busy. We were doing like six shoots on a Saturday, six shoots on a Sunday. So I was doing like 20 shoots a week or something like that. So, you know, and, and you're there for years. So you end up doing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photo shoots. So, you, you know, it's thousands of hours behind the lens. Now, most of the time, what happens is a client is going to come in and they're going to, they don't know what they want really. And that's not their fault. They, you know, it's really our fault. Uh, as as um, shooters, but, but they, they come in and go, and, you know, at the time it was like, I want high key white, white background stuff, because they'd seen that in an advert, gap advert or something equally horrendous. And that's what they wanted. I want, yeah. Can I just have the yeah, I just want it like nice and fresh and edgy and crisp and sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So I can do that for you and I can do it for you in like 15 minutes. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not being cocky or bragging. That's, it's not difficult, mm. uh, especially when you do it every day, you can sure. do it with your eyes closed. So what happens was I was I would do that do that for them and go look we've got more time together today are you happy with what we've done here and they'd go yeah no I love that that's exactly what I wanted perfect I go look before you go we've got some time would you mind I've got this idea that I think would work really well with what you're wearing you know your 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 business philosophy or we just make up any old nonsense and just say it's perfect <laughs> for them um And go, I've got this creative idea that I think could work really well. And that's when I sort of started to play with the gels. And it was really my fighting against this just high key, just drivel that I had Mm -hmm. to shoot day in, day out. It was just me fighting against that as I got to do something different. I wasn't going to lose my mind in this white box, you know. So that's where the gels sort of came from. And then over time, you know, clients would go, actually, that's really cool. I didn't realize you could do that. Yeah, I think, actually, I think we will go with that. So, you know, clients come in for the high key and they ended up going for something a little bit artier. Now, you know, fast forward a little bit longer, clients were coming in for the more creative stuff because, you know, they're they're now aware that it's possible. Um, so that's really where the, you know, the sort of the colored gel thing came from. It was me sort of fighting against this, this classic high key gap advert that was just everywhere at the time. And it was just, just not like... My mum could shoot this. Like, mm. it's just what am I? What am I doing here? You know. So that was really where it where it came from. And social media was 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 not was not part of that for me. Yeah,
0: I've and and I'm sure I'm not I'm not alone. You know, amongst amongst the listeners and stuff. I you know I've um I've tried to use color gels on occasion, but in in no way, shape, or form, in as a uh, you know in 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 a, in a sophisticated way. Um, like you, what, what do you think are the, the sort of most common pitfalls when it comes to
1: gelling in general? Okay, let me ask you then, what was the main sort of thing that you were not happy about with your gel shots?
0: I think it, generally for me, um, I think the biggest the biggest problem were actually the colours themselves. They just, you know, they seem too washed out and not vibrant enough. And, you know, um, that's, uh, and it seemed to
2: precisely what i'd say
0: whenever uh, whenever white that. light
2: yeah, everybody
1: says that yeah.
0: you know, and whenever white light was involved um the whole thing went out the window completely
1: so it's you know it was a yeah. that was the thing um okay so first and foremost the, like the like the biggest <clears throat> rule of gel lighting is you can only add a gel to a shadow okay so try right. and think about that so take a shot of the area that you want to photograph let's say it's the let's say it's to fill light you know underneath the chin like i'm doing here like you know if you, if you take a shot and there's light already there before you add the gel your gel's going to look terrible okay so if you you know you, you want to make sure that it's a dark area where you, where you want to add that gel um and it's only then that the gel will you know will, will sort of sit into that shadow uh so what can happen is if you don't have correct light control you know light is just going everywhere then the gels tend to just wash out so biggest sort of misconception and through no fault of anybody's you know uh really but you know at, at school we're taught to mix paints right you like you're mixing paints and you mix in the you know the blues and the yellows and you're getting you know you're getting the, the greens or whatever and then you're adding in different colors and you're getting like reds and blues to get the purples and you're like oh yeah it's cool getting all these different colors and you keep adding colors keep adding, and you know you end up getting this dark muddy brown color right the more colors you add so with gels and light, for example, it's completely the reverse of that. It's totally the opposite. So the more colors that you add, the closer you get to white, not to black, which is where the way we're taught to mix colors. So you cannot really mix. I mean, you can, but 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 the basic rule is you can't mix gels okay because the closer you get to you know the more gels you add on top of one another the more or the closer you get to white light like RGB RGB and TVs mm-hmm. red green and blue mm-hmm. create white so that's what's happening with the gels. so when people don't have complete control of the gels in their set and they start to sit on top of one another the yes the colors are being washed out but but they're also just getting they're really just getting closer and closer to a white light which is which is why it looks terrible.
2: About the best explanation I've ever heard on 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 that topic. That's
1: fantastic. I've been doing it a long time, Christ. Did I should you... hope I should know by now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just think you know, it just made so much sense because I
0: remember I, I sort of experimented um, not too long ago, and what uh, one of my main describes was. I kept thinking like. Is this like a thing? Is this like a post-production thing that I'm that I'm not getting, or or is this wow. like, am I not getting it right in camera? And you know, my yeah, yeah. Uh, my
2: suspicion was that I was just not getting it right in camera. That was, you know, that was the thing. Was, I, I did the same. I did three different types, um, several during lockdown, just to mess around. gels yeah. have always scared me for whatever reason. They just, well, I, I just steer clear of them. Actually, it yeah, was yeah. it was when we um, had uh, Holly Wren on um, good, Holly, yeah. on on this show. She mentioned you. Hmm. That's true. Oh, that's kind of and it. and that's how I found actually found out about you. Um, so I, I started looking at sure. looking for your your work. And she she just explained something. Said yeah, you, know, you know, I was saying I think it's white balancing has really just threw me off. For whatever weird mental block I had on that, hmm. she said, don't overthink it. <laughs> you're way overthinking it. Just just get on with it. Set, set it set it to your flash and just stick some gels in and where you want. Hmm. And so I did. I played with it. And I did three different kinds of setups and only one of them really came out how I, I think I wanted it to come out mm. and the other two didn't. And what you've just explained about it being in the shadows and mixing, uh, mixing gels in, in that way, just, it's just, it's rung a few bells in my head as to what I probably did wrong in those other two setups.
1: Yeah. Cause Love most it. of us don't really use directional modifiers that, that much, you know, I mean, mm. I, I'm, I haven't used a softbox in 10 years, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's just because Interesting. I hate them. Uh, you know, they just throw light everywhere. It doesn't look like any light in real life. It, it's, it, it's just, you have no control over it. It just, you know, always has this nasty hot spot. It, it's so it's very, it's almost impossible to use with gels unless you have complete control of like flagging and that sort of thing as well It's possible, but you know, and, it, and it's a beautiful look when you get it right, but it's very, very difficult to do. So most of us don't tend to use modifiers that partition the light off you know and i sort of break the subject down into key light fill light and then sides and i and really i try and think about those lights can only affect those areas it's not like the key light can affect some of this fill light area as well and a little bit on the side i try and break it down into these sort of where these lights are going to go and 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 that's it and if there's shadow there then i can add another light if there's not shadow there you can't add a light that's that that's my sort of Hmm mentality behind it do you do you like the background separately uh most of the time but it depends on the space you have you don't if you you can sort of change the modifier a little bit so that you you can get the subject closer to the background to use the key to light the background at the same time but but yeah um, if you're going to gel the background and then light the person with white light separately then um that's relatively easy to do. But again, you need to make sure that yeah. none of that white light is falling onto the background. And you can check that by, by turning off the gel light, taking a picture with the white light. And if there's any light on the background, you know that that's not a shadow and you can't add a gel to it. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, typically, you know, in the past, that's exactly
0: that's pretty much the only situation other than maybe balancing, you know, speed lights with like room lights or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean changing the color of the background with with gels would have been the only thing that I would have used gels mm-hmm. for. Um pretty much before i came across your website <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah and that's you know that's a good place to start that's that, that's yeah. as, that's as easy as it gets you just point a lie at a background and uh yeah yeah oh and here's a youtube myth that you can uh, ignore um it seems to be that people keep recommending on youtube to use a gray background for gels um and it's just not true it, it's uh it, it appears easier to use a grey background, but it would be like recommending a watercolor artist to use grey paper. You'd like, <laughs> you like, wouldn't do it, right? You just wouldn't do it. Um, so yeah, like white is the best background, and uh, yeah, the, and the second part of that is that don't be fooled into thinking that more power equals more color. When I was in the studio and training the new guys coming in, that was always the first mistake, mistake that they made with gels, right? I'm going to turn up the light to get more color, which is not, because the closer we get to white, the more washed out the colors are. So sometimes you just need to underexpose it a little bit, and that's when that color really starts to pop.
0: So you heard it here first, kids. Screw
2: that gray background.
1: Exactly, please. <laughs> <laughs>
2: If you are watching, just replay the last 10 minutes of this video and <laughs> just and several times because there is just nuggets all over there. So many penny, uh, pounds just dropped in my head. Not pennies, pounds. Loved it.
0: You see, normally on this podcast, we waffle on for a very long time before we even hit the subject of photography. <laughs> I feel, I feel like really in this good. episode, we went straight in with some actual useful information. <laughs> so, you know, if you are listening to this on um, on uh, Apple, iTunes or podcast or whatever, you know make sure you do head over to youtube yes absolutely indeed. so how did you first come up with the idea of using gels in the first place and then combining different colors what was the sort of starting point for that
1: yeah like i mentioned it was just really from the studio and me playing around with that and building on that idea and uh, you know once once people sort of had a little bit of a taste for it you know because it was something different um then it was it, it was it was just a just a refinement process that I'm sure, you know, everybody's going through now. You know, I went through that same process. The one thing that I found interesting with gels was, you know, I'd probably been shooting, oh, I don't know, seven years at at that point, maybe maybe a little bit longer, eight years. And, you know, I thought I was pretty good at lighting, you know, and then you start to get into gels and then you realize, wow, yeah, my lighting is all over the place. It's sloppy. I got, you know, lights on top Mm. of one another, layered lighting and that sort of thing as well. So um, I quickly found out that, you know even if you never shoot with gels again your your lighting skill in general just goes through the roof because you can't really layer color gels and you shouldn't really layer white light really you know there's no there's, there's no need for it you know um hmm. you should be lighting one area and then you should be lighting a different area there's no reason to just be throwing light around the room and bouncing it around some here and then that's falling on here and this softbox is coming from behind her and bouncing off the wall in front coming onto hmm. her that's just bad lighting that's bad light management uh, you can't get away with it with gels so don't get away with it with white light um so i did find that you know my my whole process became a a a lot tighter, you know, and being able to read the light and build it from there. And it was just, just building on that process of, you know, what don't you want to do? You know, you don't want to do the 1980s music video, you know, sort of colors, right? Because that's, because, you know, gels had a really bad name, had a really bad name, you know, for, for Mm -hmm. ages, you know, and it's all very well to think about gels now and say, oh yeah, you, you see gels everywhere, Instagram, everybody, you know, and their dog is using gels and that's great. Love it. But you have to remember that 10 years ago when I was doing this, maybe a little bit longer, you know, 12 years ago, something like that, you know, people were coming up to me and go, why did you ruin that photo? Like, why is that, why is that beautiful lady bright blue? Like, why would you do that? You've totally ruined it. Um, And, you know, it's, 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 it it, it, it kind of makes sense though because it's just, we're just so used to it now. But at the time, it's like, what the hell are you doing? i thought you were professional bright blue (laughs) you know and i I get it you know i you know i get where this sort of thing comes from like why would you cover somebody in this you know in this in this color but it is about trying to be trying to get somebody's attention or just trying to you know break the norms a little bit and um yeah i mean i I remember being on stage at the uh, birmingham nec and this woman like queued for ages you know to ask me this question she's like why, why did you, why did you ruin that photo by adding gels to the lights? It was such a beautiful photo before you ruined it. And it's just, I hadn't really thought about it. You know, it's, it's just because it's what you do, but it is, it is different to some people, you know, it's not what they're used to seeing, you know? So, um, that's, it's just rebuilding really on that and trying to avoid certain tropes that I didn't want to do. Like I said, the 1980s pop video and maybe, you know, the saturated gels, and then slowly working into the softer, more pastel gels and that sort of things, you know, so it was a process and it still is a process. Yeah. But color is one of the most um, just arbitrary and sort of ambiguous thing that we have. You know, your idea of, of blue is different to my idea of blue and trying to, trying to teach and explain that has been fascinating to me, you know, because it is just so, so personal to the individual, you know, red means something to you emotionally and red means something to somebody else emotionally. How can you use that? How can I capitalize on, on that? It's not just about throwing colors up there. You've got to think about color theory, you know, what, you know, what colors work well together? How can I use, you know, like dominant and, and recessive colors to draw me through an image? So I suppose the point that I'm making here is that it's such a vast topic that even though I felt like I've, you know, I've done it right. I've, a conquered color and then someone else would come up and it'd be like no way i never even imagined that i never mm. knew that that makes so much sense and you know that leads on to something else so yeah it's it's been it's been i love it yeah i absolutely love it yeah. and i mean that's
0: that's one of the i think you know just coming back to the social media um, of thing that we touched on earlier that's one of the advantages of social media is that you know you have access to so much imagery from all over the world and it is much mm. much more likely that you come across something that makes you stop and go like i had no idea you could do that like what the hell is that? But you know, you mentioned something um that I actually wanted to um ask you about and that's that's how you make the decisions in terms of in terms of which colors to use with which model and in what situation. So how are you reading my mind right now? This is episode sixty one. Just mean, a it's... second
2: ago, it fascinates me how you decide this. And well, Go on, ask, yeah. ask away. It's after sixty one episodes, you know. <laughs> it's like playing with a drummer, you know, after sixty one yeah, yeah,
0: gigs true, can, yeah. you know what the guy's it's gonna be. Very play. true. Anyway, so um <laughs> You know, so how, like, how, what's your, um, I guess what I'm wondering about is like what your uh, decision process is like, like how do you decide, you know, well, I think, you know, I'm going to gel that yellow and blue is going to work really well with that particular model. What's the sort of, what are the factors that, what are the thoughts that go through your mind?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a very broad topic is huge and, and and it is going to be different for everybody. And I think that you, that, that there are some things that become instinctual. And I think that it's, it's interesting to pick apart some of my earlier images before I started teaching, you know, because as soon as you start teaching, you, you kind of have to break things down that, mm-hmm. that you're doing instinctually and explain your process to other people. And it's interesting going back and looking at other images that I did Really before I was interested in colour theory and that sort of thing as well, I was just doing it by instinct. And it is it was fascinating to see the you know the colour theory sort of coming out of that, like, oh, that's triadic, that's interesting. Or I was using complementary colours. I wasn't cognitive of it over the time, but mm. it's interesting that the colour theory is in all of us, you know, because we know kind of instinctually what looks good. And I think some of us are very afraid to sort of jump in, you know, like like you were saying earlier on, you know, just don't worry about the white balance, just jump in and uh do it you know and i i i think for colors that is that is in all of us really that sort of instinct to know what looks good are there things that you should avoid sure you know um don't use green and red together you know here in the west it's just going to look like a christmas card instantly uh you know (laughs)
0: So true. <laughs> so if, so if you have a model with red hair, don't throw a red like a green gel in her face. Is that what you say? Yeah, you
1: just you just gotta be aware of it, right? You know, green yeah. on the skin. Like it's it, it's it's inbuilt in us, you know, at a genetic yeah. level to be repulsed by green skin. You know, we yeah, see yeah. sickness yeah. and poison and that sort of thing as well. Now <clears throat> some people may not be able to verbalize why they don't like an image, you know, uh, e- like, you know, you can show your your, your, your image to a mum, and, you know, and she'd be like, Oh yeah, I love it. That's great. mum. but I kind of want a little bit more as to, you know, why it, or why this looks better than something else. But that's the reason why you need to try and get into some of these things as to why somebody may prefer one image over, over another blue and red. You know, when you, when you start using those in a, in an image, it's like, are we looking like a police chase camera scene, you know, like mm-hmm. cinema as, as, mm-hmm. as, given us these semiotics that are that, that we may not even be aware of so we need to kind of dig into that a little bit and uh, extract that like deep purple on the on the skin you've got to be careful with because it's it's closer to the sort of the infrared you know which which is what csr used to see bruising under the skin and stuff. Like <laughs> that. So skin can look really like veiny and uh, you know like yeah. corn beef type thing so you've got to be careful using purple on the skin but you know these are the types of things that you learn by trial and error you know
2: I've never heard of skin uh, being described as corned beef before. I love that. No,
1: you not? Uh, obviously I'm not uh, an outdoor shoot with a poor young lady in the freezing cold sea. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs>
2: oh dear. Amazing.
0: Love that. So when when you look back at uh, some of some of your images from like let's say ten years ago or something, good, like what goes through your mind there? Do you, can you see um a definitive development or was it pre-well-formed pre even even back then?
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, yes and no. So uh, 20, I mean, I was at art college 20 years ago and we were strongly encouraged to be extremely experimental. Um, and this is another sort of broader topic that, you know, we can touch on if you want, but it's, it's how people learn their craft today is very different to how people learned it 20 years ago. And it's very easy for Jake, the old fart can say about, it's not like the good old days. I get that totally here where you're coming from, but I will say that formal education, like it or not, and granted it is very expensive and all those sorts of things, but that aside, formal education pushes you to do things you don't want to do okay and art college was 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 great for that you know at, at one point i was doing ceramics and life drawing and graphic design and textiles right but there are still things to this day that i pull from that still knowledge and understanding of light mm. texture the way you know shape and form and all those sorts of things that i but that's you know and I would never have learned that had I been trying to teach myself on youtube right like i said nothing wrong with that but you're only getting this skin deep learning mm-hmm. process and i think that for me i was doing some very creative stuff with gels 20 years ago and then it was it wasn't very cool back then you know like i said we just come out of the you know the 80s pop videos like gels was a big no no um, and it's kind of weird everything goes in phases and then i start doing some of this stuff that i was doing 20 years ago, you know, 10 years on from that. I'm like, God, oh, it's amazing. Never seen this before. It's like, well, you hated it 10 years ago. Now, now it's like cool again. So yeah, to answer your question, yes, I, you know, yes, I did learn gels uh, a, as part of a creative process, but I'd, I was already aware of, you know, gels from a long time ago. It just wasn't very cool to use them.
2: Mm-hmm. What's, um, you know, uh... Like I said, I, I always shied away from gels. It just wasn't something I've, i I was in, really interested in it, but it just kind of shied away. Many of our our viewers and listeners will be, you know, perhaps relatively new to photography or, you know, it's, you know, amateur photographers. If they've not used gels before, what what, what kind of guidance would you give them to just get started? You know, uh, and Definitely, definitely on board of there. Just just get in there, just throw some gels on and see what happens. But are there any couple little tips you can give them to really get going?
1: I think, I mean, the, the easiest possible thing you can do with gels is to do the gelled background. So you get a white wall, gel that background, and then light your subject separately. So if you can do that, <clears throat> um, properly. And there is actually plenty of, you know, articles on my website that tell you exactly how to do that things to avoid things to do and all that sort of stuff. So that, you know, that's, that's going to be the easiest place to start. You don't need anything crazy for that. You can even do that with a speed light. If you really want to punish yourself, you can do that. Um, <laughs> and you know, and you just light light the subject beautifully with some white light and make sure that you have that separation. That's going to be, you know, that's going to be a skill in itself. And then everything can sort of build on that. So, uh, you know, an,
2: another thing that p- people might be thinking of is, um, you know, do I need any different gear to be able to do that? But, you know, I think you kind of just answered that, that speed light it's absolutely fine to to, can, to get going yeah, with. Do,
1: yeah, I think, I think you want to ask yourself, as you know, a serious question as do you want to, do you think that you want to be taking um, artificial lighting, studio lighting, Further, like do you really want to be, you know, do you know what in, in a couple of years? I wouldn't mind actually still still be using studio lighting and or flash lighting. If so, and honestly, I cannot recommend enough that you get a half decent stroke. And when I say half decent, I mean one that's not a speed light. So one that has um a flash tube that is gonna spread the light in in a beautiful way rather than a speed light that fires it down this awful, nasty tunnel from a small space, which is super hard light. It doesn't spread. Horrendous hot you know um, hot spots on everything. Um, you know, there's no modeling bulbs, so you, you know, you, you, you're not sure what exactly what it's looking like, you know, whilst you're shooting and that sort of thing as well. So, so yeah, I, like if, if you want to be, you know, if you want to be honest with yourself and go, look, I wouldn't mind getting into and doing studio lighting a little bit further, the sooner you sort of invest and you can spend 120 quid and get a strobe that is very good. It will you know, it's not going to have any electronic bells and whistles like TTL and all that nonsense, which nobody really needs. You can still, you know, 120 quid, you can get yourself up, you know, half decent strobe, and it's going to make your learning and your education so much easier. I guarantee it. And
2: you know what? How much is a, uh, a speed light these days? I mean, do you know it, what I mean? There's very there's so little yeah, in it there. I
1: mean, you, I mean you, you, know? can, you can spend 600 quid on a Nikon one, yeah. and I, but you, at the same no time, thanks. you can get like a 40 quid <laughs> Young Yo one as well. So I get it. But, uh, you know, I, I think the sooner you make that jump, to um studio strobes honestly like you you you, you won't look yeah. back yeah
0: it's true i mean it's you know the other thing is the stress factor for me you know i used to run my headshot business on speed lights for years like literally <laughs> literally for four years Jesus, and if <laughs> i know right um eventually you know even i saw the light pardon the pun but uh, you know it was one, one of these things where you know initially at the very beginning um it was relatively easy because you know you can do headshots with a set of speed lights, it's not a problem. And, you know, they're portable and you can take them around, you know, you're not dragging, especially when you go to client's premises. Um, It was, it was handy, but there are lots of drawbacks, battery life, you know, reliability and all, you know, um, and all that. Um, So I think it took me a good, I don't know, it probably took me about three years until I got to the point where I was at
1: the end of my tethers. You know, speed lights definitely have their place. You know, if you're doing... Mm -hmm you've got to be super quick corporate headshot or you're in a, you know, a wedding shooter. Absolutely. You know, and, yeah. and, you know, I, I, there's no need to go, right. I immediately need to sell my speed lights because they're totally useless now that I have <laughs> studio strobes. No, that's not the case. You know, you, 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 know, you can certainly, you can certainly have those and you can combine them. It's not like you don't need to jump yeah. in straight away and go, right, I need to buy four strobes. Otherwise there's no point in even doing it. No, you can buy one strobe and use it at the same time as your speed lights, yeah. you know, so you can slowly build your, collection like that and slowly you know phase out the speed lights as you go it's not just it's not just a one or you know one or the other you, you know you can combine them both
0: yeah that's pretty much exactly what i what i did originally it was um you know i just i got from speed lights into you know studio strobes and then added strobes as i went along um and I'm, i've still combined them actually you know yeah. if i need if i need a particular like highlight on something you know they do come in handy. Um, once in a while. So, you know, it's not a bad,
1: totally. You you do the videography side of things. Yeah. Do you only use LED panels or, because you don't, do you do, you do flash or? Uh,
2: I have flash as well, but not for video. But, but I, I generally mm-hmm. use speed lights if I'm doing any kind of photography, um, yeah. just because yeah. I don't, I'm not as invested in photography yeah, yeah. as I am in, in videography. But for um, your
1: constant light stuff, what are you using?
2: So uh, right now you've got an aperture um, okay. 300 um uh, D, that's what I use for loads of stuff. And then LED panels for anything else that needs some kind of accent. So not, you know, I'm not doing huge Hollywood productions or anything like that. I'm just, sort yeah, of this does I'm- the trick.
1: And that's the thing at the moment, because that's, that's, that's a question that I get as well. And I thought that you would probably be using the um, LED panels because it works for what you need to do. And I think, you know, many people think, oh, that's the new thing. LEDs need to get into, into LEDs. And they're certainly fine. But you need to make sure that that's the sort of work that you're going to be doing. And they suit yes. that. My point there is that LED panels are this, you know, square thing, right, which is very difficult to modify if you want to be doing the sort of, you know, work that I do. You know, I just couldn't do what I do with LED panels. It's literally just not possible. You cannot control the light in the same way that you can do with a, you know, smaller flashlight
0: yeah um, i mean sometimes here for us uh, on on some of the video productions that that, that we do uh, very often it's it's about portability and getting you know getting light into a small space for example which yeah, you true. just wouldn't be able to do and also um the unavailable uh, unavailability of mains power very often is yeah. is okay. another major um you know aspect yeah. we were filming in a tunnel Yes, we were that's <laughs> right. Yeah, and there was there was no way we would have gotten yeah. anything other than LED panel in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some anything yeah. battery powered. You know, yeah. you can
2: battery power the um, uh, the the uh, aperture three hundred D, but the batteries are like they're like a grand. Yeah, they're just as expensive as The, the oh, light was a grand. You yeah, know, it's not it's not going to happen.
1: Not yeah. going to happen. I mean, all my strobes are battery as well which is you know which is which is great you know it gives you so you know so many options but it's not mandatory yeah. you know you don't need yeah. to spend all that money yeah, yeah i mean it's yeah. the
0: same for me you know if I, my my studio space is very small it's um it's it's really tiny and so one one of the um one of the major kind of thoughts in w- when i first switched to strobes was actually um in part was the design of the strobe so if you if you remember the original alien bees that are kind of mm-hmm. cuboid and and not not long in shape sure, yeah, like yeah. most studio like, sort that was a major major um part of my thought process at the time because i needed to get them as close to the wall as possible because the whole space was so tiny
1: gotcha yeah you know yeah, yeah.
0: and so i found i found one particular type of straw that still got the same shape as the alien bees and actually is very reliable i love that they're little um tiny little battery powered uh, stoppers but interfit. so they work perfectly fine what are the, what in are my tiny uh, it's the honey badger. I knew you were going to say that. I
1: knew you were going to say the honey badger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They look, they're great. Those things. Yeah, they're great. And like, the, they're I know, super small. Yeah, yeah.
0: I know they're super small. Um, they work because, like I said, they're not they're not long, and so I can get them. And it's you know we're talking about a couple of inches, mm. maybe three inches closer to the wall. It makes all the difference in my little space. You know, especially when once you think that there's a modifier on the front of it.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 One one tip that I advise people f- doing that sort of thing is to switch to umbrellas rather than soft boxes, because yeah. then the, the the modifier is against the wall and not four feet away from. It, yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: yeah it's fu- it's funny when um, after that interview with um, with Holly and she started saying, "Just get your ass in gear. Just start the white balance. Just get going." And I, so I did. Well, the first type of shot I did it was because we were in lockdown it was all self-portrait stuff right was a white background gels on the background right and you know also discovered for the first time ever after doing that and going through editing was the uh, the mixer brush in uh, Photoshop oh <laughs> did you okay <laughs> you know it was two different colour gels in the background but I want to I need to blend those just a little bit more just to get and, it, and I found the mixer brush can you believe I've never come across a mixer brush. Well,
0: but then again, you know, in, I mean, I think the reality is for you, like you know, you, you spent considerably more time in Premiere and uh, you know, in Da Vinci than you would in Photoshop. So that is disgusting
2: not knowing the mixer brush <laughs> isn't
1: it? Really, it kind <laughs> oh, of is. Dude. Unless you need it to, you know, to 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 fix lighting mistakes. Yeah, and there's no, you know, there's no reason to. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, true and plus true. The, you know plus I mean you know I, I challenge I challenge our listeners how many how many of you people listening or, or watching this right now actually know how the history brush works? History, history brush, brush. Yeah. <laughs> See, I love the history brush. I use it all the time. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you? But you know, yeah. Yeah. but it's yeah. one of those things where you kind of go, like, I wasn't aware of that. It
2: took me years before. I yeah. Well, no, ahead. same question. Who out there actually knows what the mixer brush is? Who's or even if you do, have you used it? I, I doubt many people really come across it all that much. That's right. There you go. There's my little admission to you there. That's all you get in there. And
0: if you are the one person listening to this podcast from Calgary, Alberta, get in touch. <laughs> because if you know what the Mixer Brush is, then let us know. You can you know email us or send us a Facebook message or whatever.
2: That'd be fantastic. Oh, man. Well, as we're talking about Photoshop, just real quick... Um, Jake, I really, I'm really, I'm interested to know what your post processing is, and whether actually there's a huge amount that goes into it. I feel like a lot of this, a lot of your shots are really out of camera, and there's not a huge amount that actually happens to them afterwards. Because I think you know the way you've been talking about how you, frankly, nail the light, and it's exactly how you want it to be. I'm guessing there's not you don't probably don't do a huge amount in post
1: question and i mean you'll know as a videographer about uh shooting in camera as it were but with the end end result in mind okay and that's and that's kind of where i'm coming coming at it and that's kind of where i've sort of developed the gels for me over the years has been with that kind of mindset as to not just about you know, the the raw, but the end result, I see the, the, the raw as the midway point. Okay. And that's not in a lazy sloppy lighting kind of way that's in a shoot for the raw, but with the end result in mind. So like, you know, like log footage from cinema and that sort of stuff is just like, were the lights even on? Like it's, it's just, just, it's just a gray foggy day, (laughs) underwater somewhere like who is in charge of this on set like it's terrible right like the raw footage is app is just terrible but there's so much data there in the file okay so you can do exactly what Mm -hmm. you want with it and push and pull and for me it's kind of the way that i'm thinking as well i want my images to to maybe be a little bit flatter in camera and that's on purpose so yes Are, are they are they good to go straight out of camera no they're not But that's intentional. So I'm shooting with a maximum amount of data in the highlights and a maximum amount of data in the shadows, so that when I come into you know Lightroom and Photoshop and that sort of stuff, I can really crank things up without clipping any data. Okay, because if you shoot contrasty in camera, and then you want to go and increase Mm. the you know Mm -hmm. contrast or something, then you start to clip. The shadows, you know, so you can't do it. So you have to shoot with the uh, end result in mind. And as, as you know, uh, you know, in, in Photoshop, every time you increase the contrast, you simultaneously increase the saturation. Every single time you do that, mm. both are linked. So, you know, if I want to get a lot of saturation in my images, I kind of want to know that I want to be able to crank the contrast later on, right? So, again, I need to shoot fairly flat in camera, and I'm doing that. I'm managing the shadow detail in camera, managing the highlight detail in camera so that I can crank it. Um, And that's how you get, well, that's how I get some of those very, like, well, just absolutely you know liquid color sort of you know jumping off the screen kind of kind of colors but you can only do that if you really manage every sort of you know data of pixel because like like reds and stuff at the far end of the spectrum you just it just clips very very quickly so you need to be you know aware of that and just shooting for that in mind
2: that's interesting that's really really interesting i mean well okay so so how does that practically work for you on the day? And you're 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 doing sh- you you're in the middle of a shoot. How how do you go about doing what you just 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 described and keeping that flat? Is it um I've, I know you mentioned earlier about underexposing just a touch. Um, you know, no, is it that your you're you're underexposing right?
1: the light? Yeah, right. So not not to be confused with the final image, but the but the light.
2: Yeah. So. To, to talk us through how that day for you then, you know, just to start, how are you going about getting that image set so that you have got that right amount of flexibility um, in post?
1: One of the biggest pitfalls that I see with gels is, is clipped data in the colours, right? So I want to make sure that I'm avoiding that. And even there's many professional photographers out there now. You go on Instagram and you can find this clipped data in the color, you know, blown out highlights, just jet black, no data in the shadows, and that's and, and look, that's fine. But for me, I pride myself on not wanting to do that. A because a client is not going to be happy when that happens. In, in, in my experience, it's just, you're just going to it's just going to be a reshoot. So I I tend to do my lighting in 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 sort of layers. So I have like this base coat of light that that means that there is no real jet black pixel anywhere okay. on set you know, and then I build on top of that in layers. So I'll have some softer light on top of that, and then I'll just accent it with harder light. So I'm doing it in this, in in this layers. And that enables me to, to get, you know, like to, to sort of structure this 3D image that pops out of it like that.
2: It makes all so much sense when you describe it. Total sense. I think it's just, it's a different thing practically going about it yourself and being there doing that. And it's frankly, it's attention to detail um it's how i how i read that from you and i think you need a bit of patience i feel as well i feel a sort of challenge coming on there (laughs) oh i'm pretty confident where we're gonna fall in that (laughs) (laughs) wow
0: we're not gonna fare all that well Oh, no, I mean I mean can like afford a chance between the two of us.
2: Oh between us? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah right. for sure. Oh, oh yeah 100 yeah, percent No worries. Yeah. We'll we, should, oh, no. we should challenge Jake to something. Non-gel
1: related, <laughs> <Really>? please. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if
1: you if you say black and white, I'm turning off now. <laughs> Brilliant. I don't I don't register that as a as a form of photography. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. no, I'm, I'm, I'm. 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 We used to have this running joke in the studio um, years ago that. Uh, if like one of the new guys screwed up the lighting or something like that, or, like, you know, some, something went wrong, it would always be the running joke in the studio. You just go, look, just, just turn it black and white. The client will love it. It's, you know, and actually. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just a cop out. Like if you can't be bothered yeah. to get the color right, then you turn it black and white. That's basically yeah. what what you're saying. And it's, you yeah. really, you know, I mean, you're
0: not, you're not far from the truth there at all, because I know, you know, my, my background is in concert photography, really. That's where I started. Um, and, uh, and so. In when you shoot any concert, you're in a in a fairly difficult environment because things are changing so quickly, and you don't you have const- control as
1: well. Yeah,
0: yeah, you have no control, and you're constantly reacting to what's happening around you. And you know, and and the, one of the problems is or the, the main problem is that you've got the action on stage, and then you've got pretty random lighting going on around you um, at the time. And so sometimes you're in a situation where you have an image of something really amazing that's happening on stage right that second you captured that I don't know that guitarist in midair or like that pose or whatever is happening on stage and it's just the most beautiful action on stage unfortunately the lighting at that point was Totally yeah. mm-hmm. off the mark, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and and so of course you you know you ha- that's the black and white option is a fallback in that case, <laughs> yeah, and so it has true. to be so true. Yeah. It, you know, and and the thing is, like in, in that in that situation, of course, you always you know you ask yourself that question. It's like you know what's you know what's more important. Uh, it's like you know that that very special moment that that you managed to capture. Are you going to throw that away just because? the no, colors are not playing yeah. ball because it's... it looks
2: like the house lights are on oh man you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah and it's yeah of course i mean this is the thing i always say this you know in in connection with concert photography nowadays you know when you see a contemporary black and white concert photo generally it's because the original color shot looked shit yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: i'm sure it was but that's not really their fault they can't control the light so i get it no but no of it. course no of course not
0: that you have zero control <laughs> over that yeah, yeah um you know
1: but I, like, I see it all the time with, you know, people share images with me and I'm like, you have turned that black and white. You did not go, I'm going to shoot a black and white shot now. Let's set up the lights for a black and white shot. You didn't do that. You got home and it was like, ooh, oh, it actually looks kind of cool in black and white. That's not, that's not, that's not the way you do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or you just yeah.
0: downloaded the latest version of the, of the Nick software collection and you realize that the black and white version just slipped awesome. Yeah. Do you want to do it. <laughs> you know. Now the other thing that really intrigued me when I was when I was looking at uh, your website and I was reading through um, some of your um, blog articles was your use of diffuser or diff- yeah diffusion filters, mm. and that's a really interesting thing, especially in connection with you know with color gels that I actually, to be honest, had never even really thought about the fact the impact that a diffusion filter can have on the final image because there was one blog post where I, I remember you you were actually comparing you know. Uh, Pretty much the same image with a diffusion filter and without, and it's just the, the difference in—it's um, the best way to describe it—in atmosphere almost, and the impact that the color had on that was was really remarkable.
1: Do you know why that is? Can you can you guess as to why why you think that's? I mean, I'm guessing that you 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 preferred the diffusion filter on the lens oh, 100%, one. One
0: hundred percent, yeah. Yeah. Well, that Do would you know have been my next question. Is? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want to guess as
1: to why you think that is?
0: I don't know. I mean, this, you know, I know. I think when you first look at it, it appears as as though there's there's a lot more haze in the air, which of course clearly it isn't because the situation was the same. So it's not it's not a matter of you know hazing up the atmosphere. Sure, sure. you know, so um, it's going to have something to do with like the way the light breaks through the filter
1: or whatever. Yeah, and I think that you're you're analysing it from a technical point of view as well. And I think uh, sometimes we need to, yeah, no, for sure. Sure. And I think sometimes we need to, get into the habit of stepping back a little bit and view mm-hmm. images maybe as, as our viewers would do as well. Like, why is it that we prefer one image over another? Like, you know, stop for a second and think, well, what is it about that image that's drawing me? Because like, we don't do this anymore. Like we used to, but we just don't do it anymore. Like, you know, we scam through a thousand images a day on Instagram. And then we, we like, we, we double tap a couple, we stop on a couple, look at a couple. We don't really stop to go like, you know, why did I stop on that? Why am I engaging with that? Um, and i think that that is a healthy process to get into like why do i prefer this one over that one you know just stopping and thinking i mean the whole haze thing come you know comes from cinema as as i'm sure you know mm. you know as well you know they use it all the time and it's and and it's, and it's a camera trick to to to, to sort of fake depth, as it were. Like, you're tricking the eye into perceiving there to be more depth. Like, you're being drawn in because you have depth in an image. You know, you know, like, we use it with shooting at f1.2 at a wedding and all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, I get it. Like, it's the same thing. And, and, and Hayes does a similar sort of thing as well. Um, so cinema, you know, we, we're used to seeing it in, in sort of quality cinema. And I say quality because, like, have you noticed when you see, like, a kind of a budget? and I say this with affection, like people, like people who make short videos don't have a huge budget, but when like people who make sort of low end videos, like the image is just, just there, you know, it's in 4k and, whoa, and it's just, mm-hmm. everything's on the same plane. And whoa. it's like, Whoa, it just looks horrendous. Like it just looks super crisp. And, you know, whereas you like look at something, you know, from David Fincher or something like that. And it's just a beautiful depth. You know, you really feel like you can walk through that scene and, I think it's about trying to analyze some of those shots for me and try and okay, what, what are some of the things about those, you know, what makes high quality cinema look different to just, you know, crappy student films? And like, this is trying to, trying to break, break that down. Um, but I also think that we're in this era now of, you know, 10 years ago, it was the megapixel war, right? now you know I think that's kind of dropped off a little bit, but now it's just, just how sharp can your image be and it's just like I don't know where this is coming from, but you know, this, this idea of like the sharper the better. Um, it's it's kind of it's, it's, it's like schoolboy photography. It's, it's like yeah. what you learn on the first day, right? get the image in focus, correctly exposed, white balance. like that's not what makes a great photo you need to let go of that shit yeah that's mm. not what makes a great photo this is just that's just the entry fee to take a picture you know and, and and i think that sometimes like these filters can just take the edge off that and it just feels a bit more organic you know a bit more natural and it just feels mm. a little bit more like like you're drawn to it rather than it just being i don't need to see the dna in that model's pause i don't need to see mm. it you mm. know um so like for me it's just about knocking it back a little bit
2: I've been saying for ages, I, I can't stand how sharp some of this stuff looks. No, for sure, and, you know, and you which is why some, something... some
1: some big budget films are still shot on film. It's for that reason, like you know, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I think there are Tom things Tom you can do them. only be shot on film, like that, like it's in the contract. I'm sorry, there's no ifs or buts on that. I'm not doing this film unless it's shot on
2: film, you know. And it look it looks so different, but the, you know, there are things you can do in post to take some of that edge off without losing any sharpness by any stretch and that helps but you 4k is still 4k okay okay that's that's not fair either actually 4k on one camera is not 4k on another camera awesome. there, there are vastly different 4ks and some of them look shocking and others look great it's actually part of the reason why we shoot in 1080 for 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 the podcast we don't Class. shoot in 4k we shoot in 1080 because i there's actually two reasons one i pre- I prefer actually how it looks uh, in general once it's gone up onto youtube um i prefer how that looks versus the 4k version and two file size yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. simple as simple as that huge difference.
2: Um, Yeah, yeah it's massive and when you're backing up to the cloud like everything is going up to the clouds yeah. your raw footage it, yeah. it's a real consideration. I mean
0: for, for the longest time you know when uh, when we were in separate houses, you know so I was filming myself or my part of the conversation you know my house and Nick was Nick was here, you know then the files had to be transferred and of course you can't hand over SD cards in person so um, so everything had to be transferred via the internet. And uh, I think you know, if we had shot in 4k then it would have taken days. Oh, for
2: sure, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. You know, if this just a short five-minute video, a 10-minute video that we're doing up to yeah. YouTube, then
1: maybe, but... So what's an hour's yeah. worth of footage in 4K, then? What, what sort of size are we talking about? Oh, God, uh, I mean, just, to,
0: just to give you an example, so basically, the, like, in terms of file size, so let's say all in, including, you know, chit-chat before and afterwards, let's say the whole thing is like a two-hour affair, basically. Um, I would have... And I would shoot that in 1080 uh, at... At my place, I would be transferring about sixteen gig, yeah, and that's 1080. So that'd be, you know, so you can imagine in 4K. That
1: Absolutely, would been, my what, my 1080 here would be is that what
2: you're yeah. yeah, roughly yeah. At my my 1080 so. would be bigger file file sizes, yeah, exactly. The codecs that the yeah. cameras are using and whatnot, but um, and then you're trying try and upload hundred gig, you know, on a on a standard internet so yeah, connection. the, takes, r- it the raw take footage for, here for 4K would be about yeah, about hundred gig give say so, 120 gig maybe so, so and that's there, just not yeah. it's not feasible to No never, there were that. obviously a lot of practicality
1: related yeah. um yeah, yeah but so you can YouTube. people are, people are just not on the toilet watching this i wouldn't worry about it don't need, don't need to see? see us in 4k
2: see you you watch it the same way i do i like it exactly what happens <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <100%. laughs> That's uh yeah, yeah but it, just to go back. You know, obviously file size is is a massive consideration. But I do for this prefer how 1080 just looks. At the end oh, okay. of the day, yeah. it's two people sat in front of the camera here, not moving. What 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 needs That's to true. be 4K about it? Nothing really. It just takes me longer to edit it. And to, to also, of it. course, it's because we noise. nerd out
0: about the analytics um, of this, we know that the vast majority of people actually watch this on their phones. So yeah,
1: yeah. Is that what it is? Like when you when you say the vast vast majority, is it what you're talking like two thirds of people is it on the phone?
0: Yeah, so that's yeah. two out of three people who watch this will be watching it on their phone. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's probably more than that actually, to be honest.
1: Yeah, interesting.
2: Yeah, okay. you, you think was? Well,
1: I mean, and that that plays into the whole um, like megapixel thing as well. Like, I mean, it's been I mean, it's been pff, ten years since somebody bought a print from me yeah right you know uh and and people go oh yeah but what about a billboard what dpi do you think a billboard is yeah well like, it's not <laughs> like uh, you know i've I've done stuff for billboards it's not high dpi the file that they want is not like it's, just, yeah. it's gonna be there's it's just dots yeah. the size of your fist
0: like, yeah well exactly like... exactly and I, you know, I, I actually we talked about this in one of the most recent um, episodes because it's yeah, exactly it's, you know, yeah. it's uh, I use the very same example. I you know I did a I did a headshot shoot a couple of years ago, and um, which was meant to be for you know a company's like staff website, um, but then a year on, they decided to use those shots for a billboard campaign. And you know, I, I saw the billboards up, and they looked great. I mean, they actually looked great, and that was you know that was shot on a twenty four megapixel camera. There was there was no need. There was absolutely no need to go crazy about
1: my first digital camera. I was doing commercial work on was six megapixels the fuji Finepix s2 it was and right. uh, i mean that's like tw- 20 years ago so like that's six right. megapixels and you know it, like on the box it was like interpolates up to 12 megapixels it's six it's six megapixels yeah and uh you, you know and that was you know i was you know I was shot like album covers and stuff on that and they used that on yeah. you know ad shells on bus shelters and that sort of thing yeah. and they cropped into this was a headshot i shot of this guy for this a- a- album cover and they cropped into the face like, like this and it was on a yeah bus shelter, you know, math blown up big. It's a six megapixel camera 20 years ago. Yeah. Totally fine. Totally fine. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, unless unless you want to throw something on the side of a building or something. And even then, I mean, you know.
1: You're not standing in front of it though. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. That's, <laughs> the that's, thing, that's the whole thing. You know, so like, yeah, if you were to stand in front of it, yeah, it would look terrible. Anything yeah. would. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, but like, I mean, on, on that, like, I mean, you know, megapixels aside, most, you know, my, my point there is that realistically most of our work is seen on, Instagram, which just Mm. makes me queasy at the thought, but that's the reality, (laughs) right? Um, Now, you know, obviously you go to, you know, the the, the small percentage of people that go to the website, okay, there's, you know, I have high quality, you know, shots on my website, great. Um, The one thing I will say on, it's not about the megapixels, but like medium format, I, I, I've recently started shooting film again, and I've recently started to shoot with uh, the Pentax 6-7. It's a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful old camera. Uh, you know, and mm. it shoots, like, when I say 6-7, you know, and negs, negs are massive, you know, absolutely gorgeous. And I did a shoot uh, film, and I also shot the Pentax 6-7 exactly the same um, time. And this is unequivocally not just saying this to be a hipster, hands down, that, old camera that's like 50 60 years old or something like that is is hands down a, a better image absolutely beautiful image because of the depth because mm. of that depth of field that you get from a larger film playing chip whatever so it's yeah. not about the megapixels it's grainy as all hell really grainy but absolutely hands down prefer those medium format film shots over the nikon d850 um you know mm. Full frame, absolutely gorgeous. Oh, um, and it's because of that depth. Those. It's not the megapixel. It's the depth that you get from a larger film plane. So for me, I'm not interested in megapixels. Really not. But I would be interested in a bigger chip. And at the moment, like the Fuji GFX and that sort of thing, are it's a, it's a very small chip. Mm. So like medium format is it is not like full frame 35 mil, which is this fixed universal yeah. language that we all know. That's full frame 35 mil. It's the same anywhere. Medium format is like. You know, 645, 66, 6'9, 6'7, mm-hmm. like it's it's all over the show. And like the, the, the GFX is as small as you can get away with under the medium format banner. So it's mm-hmm. only slightly bigger than 35 mil. And beautiful camera, absolutely outstanding camera, phenomenal quality. But nobody is looking at that and going, Oh wow, like okay. a medium format shot because it doesn't have that depth, because it doesn't have the film plane size. So I think that we're going to see in the future, we're going to see um, that film plane getting bigger and you are going to see people as soon as they start to see this. And again, it's coming coming in cycles. Like we were doing this 20 years ago. Everybody was shooting on medium format. It was normal, you know, gorgeous. Like, Vogue, you know, find a Vogue from 20 years ago. Oh my God, absolutely gorgeous depth that you could, you know, just climb into. But now it's, you know, it's flat smaller chips um and i think that you know moving forward we're going to see dropping the megapixel you know thing but going into this larger chip more depth of field just really gorgeous images especially on portraits wow i'd I'd love to see those two photos side by side yeah i mean yeah they're on my um site they're like the oh they are yeah the recent article i did was on was on something to do with photography and uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the most recent article i did which, yeah and, and and in there it has um shots from both the uh pentax and the and the um yeah shots from the pentax and the d850 side by side in the same article and yeah like One. there's just no way i, I defy anybody to go oh yeah they're, they're definitely better than not so you've you've kind of skipped nice. the whole mirrorless idea <laughs> I don't you've got enough time for that. If I'm honest, uh, yeah, that's that's gonna be that's that's gonna be that's gonna be a touchy subject. Yeah, it, it's not something that um, it's not something for me personally. Yeah, yeah, it has its benefits. It has its benefits for sure. Mm. But I I just um, I don't see the need for it. I think if I was starting photography today, sure, mm. I would get a mirrorless system. There's nothing wrong with them whatsoever. Uh, I just don't see that they offer me anything that I need to, it's not a step up for, in, in, in my opinion. And it's not like a lateral movement where I would go, oh, I, I could definitely have both of these systems. It, you know, it's just not, mm. just not, not, not for me personally. Yeah.
0: I guess, I mean, you're, yeah. you're not, you're not shooting anything that would actually benefit from, you know, wireless technology. Like, you're, I don't shoot any video,
1: yeah, or anything like that. yeah.
0: Yeah. Or you're not an event shooter either. I mean, it's you know in in an event situation, it can that can can be very advantageous to to see what you know your exposure is like in the viewfinder, for example. You know,
1: true. Yeah. No. No. I could definitely see that as a benefit. Yeah. No. Agreed. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, like, there's lots of little things that that are a benefit, like you know, being able to focus right at the edge of the frame. It's like wow. I mean, that's that's I mean that, that's a luxury the DSLRs don't have. You know, you use, like the latest Nikon or Canon will come out sixty four. Dots of autofocus. They're all <laughs> yeah. in the little circle in the middle, but we got sixty-four of them. I, yeah. It's like great. I mean, I want to be able to focus at something that, towards the outside, which obviously mirrorless can can do instantly. Which is which I love that focus peaking. So you can you know use old lenses, vintage lenses, and you get beautiful images. Uh, you know, and use focus peaking through the viewfinder. I love that on mirrorless. Absolutely, you know. But it's just not not enough for me to jump jump ship for that makes sense well yeah it makes so, it makes so <laughs>
0: much
2: sense yeah I've, I've stayed i've stayed away from it um for now i think I've the, the, the point the point here and we hark on about this kind of thing all the time is there is no point anyone changing systems changing gear upgrading gear or whatnot unless you have a really valid reason to do so There has to be a, because it's expensive. It's really expensive to do that. (laughs) You could be investing in something else, but you really have to, your current system either needs to be completely broken and down and whatnot, or can no longer do what you absolutely need it to do. If it can't do that anymore, fine, consider it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, my bottom line thought on, on that is always that, you know, I could invest into a completely new mirrorless system, but I can't actually charge my clients more money just because I shoot something on a mirrorless yeah. camera. Quite. And so and at that point it doesn't make any sense from you know, just from my perspective and where I'm at, it doesn't make any sense for me to change at this point. Yeah. There's no there's, there's virtually zero advantage in it for me. I mean, you know, i focus, yeah, iFocus is nice. It would probably take some stress out of it, but it's not worth the investment. Mm.
2: That's not enough to for That extra few grand and whatnot, you know, that's, that's just eye focus, especially. I mean, especially not, not
0: see, had you know, had COVID not happened, and had I continued to shoot uh, conferences, you know, in the same way that I did, um, there would have been some advantages in silent shooting that would have, yeah. you know, yeah. especially yeah. with keynote speakers and stuff, that would have yeah. definitely been uh, something to think about, um, because weddings, and stuff as well, as well,
1: like in a church and stuff, it's huge, yeah.
0: Absolutely, and you know, so there are sort of intrusion issues, basically. Um, I think, mm. although you know, the reality is, I mean, nobody's really cared about that so far. I don't think
2: people all of a sudden going turn around no. and be like,
0: "Your camera's is too loud." They,
2: <laughs> no, the sorry, day I yeah. see a press conference and you don't hear all the shots going, is going to be weird. So, weird.
1: You know I mean? thing, so we were doing an event uh, workshop a couple of weeks ago, and uh, at, you know, you got ten people there, something like that. Is always, you know half, some have mirrorless cameras, right? Now, we were doing some creative, like long exposure stuff and that sort of thing as well. Like, you, you know, And you're working with a model. When they can't hear that camera, it becomes impossible for them to do their job. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. Yeah, it's true.
1: Now, okay, if the flash is going off, then, then they know and sure and that sort of stuff. But this was, this, was a, this was a sort of a unique case scenario. We were doing like sort of long exposure work and the flashes weren't, weren't firing and his camera is absolutely silent. Like she doesn't know when to move, you know? Mm. Um, and, and, you know, he, he had the shutter sound on, but it's not, you know, it's not, it's no, not, you, you can't hear the damn thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it is, uh, it, it's a completely different process. Uh, it, I, I, and, I, and I do think that for low light shooting in a studio, which a lot of my stuff is very low light work in a studio, uh, they struggle, man. They do struggle. They do struggle. Mm.
2: That's yeah. an interesting thought you know it's not something that immediately goes to everybody's mind when i think of mirrorless and potential issues that will yeah, you know, yeah but that's mean that's you, you know, know again
0: you know the as far as the you know the concept photography is concerned that that is a real it's a real consideration because you're in a predominantly in a low light scenario yeah but that's you're you know that is originally why i picked um the body that i'm that i've been using ever since because it was at the time it had advantages mm. in low light situations it was really the only thing I was interested in at the time and with that i, I shoot the d750 pretty much for most stuff that i do and it's been indestructible so jake at the beginning i mentioned that you're also the co-host of a photography podcast called Podlemania. that's um, the one yeah tell us a little bit about that and how that came into being in the first place
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll be totally honest. I am, I am definitely a co-host, but Wayne Johns is the, is definitely the captain of that ship. He's a bit, he's a bit more technical when it, you know, when it comes to audio and that sort of thing. Um, So I just, I just do what I'm told and turn up and try and ask salient questions when prompted. But um, so he, he's, he's definitely the captain of that, but, and it was his idea originally. And it was really this, 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 this sort of thing happened a, a while ago, but it's kind of weird, right? With, with a podcast, like you message somebody in the industry and you go, uh, yeah, hi, I'm a complete and utter stranger to you, but you know, <laughs> w- would you mind jumping on the phone and just, just, just having a chat for an hour? And you go, no, get lost. you absolute weirdo. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, how about we jump on the phone for an hour and we record it and share it with the world. Oh yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. We'd love to. Do that. <laughs> like, so like, Podcast is really just just one of, one of those things. Yeah, but it would be cool to reach out and start interacting with other people in the industry from all walks of life. Whether it be you know we've you know s- s- cinematographers and uh, makeup artists and uh, you know obviously a bunch of shooters as well. But yeah, from you know from all sort of creative aspects and 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 sort of pick pick their brains a little bit. But it's kind of difficult to do unless you have this this trick or like this this idea of a podcast, and then all of a sudden people are willing to do it. But for some reason, people just won't talk to you to some random stranger on the internet for, for an hour, unless you've got a podcast attached to it. So that's that's really where it came from. Yes,
0: I mean- we you know, know the struggles. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely,
1: absolutely. Yeah, it's kind
0: of, weird. I mean, you know, for, for us, it was, you know, we thought at the beginning, we thought like, well, we got to do something. You know, we talk about photography most of the time anyway. So there must be some other weirdo out there who, you know, likes to listen to a conversation like that and that's that's really how the idea of a podcast was born yeah. um i think initially the problem was that none of us really knew where podcasts even live or how like how this whole thing even works
1: you know yeah, think, we had i think you guys are doing it in a smart in a smart way i mean because originally years ago i say years ago i mean we we, we started we, we'd had i don't know maybe a year under a belts of them before covid but um and everybody was listening to podcasts on their way to work right everybody's listening to podcasts on the way to work podcast numbers way through the roof great awesome uh and then covid happened everybody's at home nobody's listening to a podcast at home they're watching it yeah. they're watching something on youtube right so nobody's traveling to work so you've you've immediately taken away those two hours a day that you're not right. listening to something um and then everybody and their dog's mother is also doing a podcast as well so you you know, you just so as soon as covid hit it's like the, the audience went down and then the people doing there's more podcast more people making podcasts and listening mm. to the damn things you know so i like your way of doing it on youtube i think that's a smart smart play if, if, if i'm honest because i think more people are watching youtube than podcasts at the moment
2: it kind of made sense to us to do it on videos as, as well because we're <laughs> We're, we're always on youtube as well you know all the time and it, it's just i do video it just kind of all made sense to kind of connect sure. yep. all of yeah. it at the same time it
0: was definitely it's... i mean for, it, it was almost like we didn't even i think we never considered not doing it on youtube right. Um, right. and it was mainly because obviously nick's a videographer but also i actually started my journey in the visual arts as a kid with video that's how i started because i the very first thing when i was a kid was uh uh, the first camera I had was a video camera and I made little videos yeah. and I, I got into photography through video whilst I guess the majority of people get into video through photography it's, it was just the other way around and so there's always been this this idea and then, you know um yeah just kind of I don't know we never really thought about that it was just something that made
2: sense yeah. um it's interesting when I remember we talked about it just a little bit and we thought okay we can sit there and release an audio is it really that much of more of a big deal to release it on video at the same time. Yeah. It's a little it's and Eve. <laughs> the answer is yes. It's a hell of a uh, lot yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it's just figures, ah, why not? Yeah. And then it just, we just went from there.
0: Well, the, thing, the other thing is, you know, you've got to, when you embark on, on an endeavor like this, um, it's got to be fun. You know, it's going to be fun to make these episodes. Uh, you know, it's going to be fun. The whole yeah. process has to be fun. So, you know, as much as, like, the video editing process, for instance, it, it's just a fun thing to do if that's what you're into, you know. Um, just, just yeah. like, you know. So um, so that, you know, initially really drove us, because at the time when we started this, uh, like, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, and, like, all of our viewers and uh, listeners know, because we talked about this, like, a gazillion times before. Um, you know, our lives just went to, like... Total standstill at that point, you know, and it was like they were like, "Oh, okay, we've got to do something." And as you know, there are only so many Marvel movies I can watch, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> and especially. I mean, well, <laughs> I've, I've, since I think I've probably rewatched them all with the kids, oh, like, sure. since then, Yeah. But um, but yeah, we really had to do something creative. Um, and for me, I you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I shoot people. And when you're not allowed, you know, when you can't yeah. get close to people and you don't yeah. have anything to shoot, it gets very old very quickly, you know? <laughs> and, um, and I wasn't going to shoot birds all of a sudden. So what's, what are your, what are your plans for, uh, for the next year? Do you have? No,
1: I'm, I'm working on um, some new, new bits and pieces, new projects, uh, working on a new project coming out, a new workshop coming out uh, this year. Normally I bring out a workshop every single year. Last year I couldn't, um, but, this year so that that will be coming out in September so just currently taking just a few weeks off really not off but back away from the you know the you know the sort of grind to to, to actually work on new ideas um which is something that i haven't been able to do and it sounds weird but it, it, uh, you know even with lockdown I've been flat out. I really have, you know, because I was working on the the new business model, if you like. It's not like I was just sat watching Netflix. I haven't. It was just immediately, right, okay, new, new business model. I need to get out, you know, the new mm-hmm. marketing and d- designing, you know, new new ways of a- advertising this new business. So, I, you know, I was flat out the whole time. And then thankfully, I was very busy doing the o- online stuff. And then when COVID was lifted, or, you know, the lockdown was lifted, I was just doing workshops back to back to back to back to back. To back. You know, I just haven't been mm-hmm. doing anything else. So this is, um, this is actually... A uh, well-needed just you know, sort of break to get my brain out of that and working on new stuff, which um, I hadn't really realized I needed until it just it sort of get, came to a head of like this is this is just going nowhere I'm, and I'm just I'm just regurgitating like the same old stuff. Like how do I get this new new stuff out? And you can't do it until you sort of stop and actively make that part of your business strategy. It's not it's not going to happen by itself, you know. Because yeah. like people say, "Well, Jake, you bring out a workshop." every year you new ideas like how do you do it well yeah you just got to reinvent the wheel but you've got to trust in that process right mm. you've got to trust in that creative process but it just doesn't happen automatically you have to sort of like 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 writing it doesn't just happen you got to designate time to do it and create and it happens for all of us so um that started last week and yeah already made great progress on that so it's um, going to be on track for September so that'll be uh, new new workshop. A um, little bit of a spoiler. It'll be sort of cinema lighting in the studio. Nice. You know, so kind of you know making it a bit more organic rather than the you know stark studio lighting t- type thing. It's been yeah. So it's it's going to be good. Looking forward to it. Something completely different again, which you know u- using color and mm. um, you know sort of more more advanced lighting. But I think it'll be good. Yeah
2: oh very Maybe. very cool and can people I, i'm assuming people will be able to find out and get updated on that on your directly on your
1: website yeah obviously nothing's been i mean this is the first time i've ever spoken about it really so yeah so okay. um so, so yeah so, so it's not um nothing but yeah sign up to my mailing list on my website um you know get get yourself a free lighting pdf on there which is just fairly in depth and sign up to my mailing list and then as soon as that's out yeah you'll um hear about it first
2: And do do you anticipate doing the workshop once or is that going to be a, you know, for, I think you said you typically have kind of sort of 10 people in, in a workshop, is that going to be the same, same deal?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's been it's been a little bit less because of COVID and spacing it sure. at the studio. Um, so, so we'll see where, where where we are with that at the time. But yeah, so, you know, sort of, you know, seven, eight, nine, you know, that that sort of thing. So we usually have, we usually do a couple of those at release, and then we'll do. You know, then I'll probably do more of them as. As um, okay. time goes on, you know, it was okay. chatting to the um, studio owner that I work with there up at um, Amersham. And I was like, Christ, we've been doing this gelled lighting workshop for five years. It's nuts. It's crazy how successful that gel lighting workshop has been. I think I've done, think I've it. done like over 30 or 40 of the damn things
0: all over the world now. Yeah. It's mental.
2: That's amazing.
0: Yeah, I saw that on your website. Because I mean, Amersham is from where I live. Amersham is literally the next little town up. Yeah. Oh, okay yeah yeah um, yeah. yeah beautiful I, place. I,
2: yeah. I, I teach as well and I, i'm in, in in amersham at the yeah. college it's oh, well. on oh, okay. there. <laughs> yeah. there tomorrow beautiful <laughs> place.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's amazing small world man small world isn't it i
1: know well i mean it is a tiny island but we we, we like to uh think of <laughs> yeah. ourselves as big actually
2: yeah am my um because i play in a, a function band but we do like public gigs to drum up business basically is, is really what it's for and we um, we play down at the beer keller in uh, Bracknell fairly oh, regularly, right. no way. down in the, underneath the um, Copied Beach Hotel.
1: Right. Okay. Well, yeah. It's, well, you know, once once all this has calmed down, let's um, yeah, let's, let's, let's have a beer.
2: Yeah. Done. Done. In the uh, this, that's the place. that looks like a uh, it belongs in Switzerland. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I'm immediately intrigued. Yeah. This is looks yeah. like a ski lodge for well, I don't know how they designed it or what they've done there. I mean, it's right oh. next. Used to be right next door to the um dry ski ski slope is that that still there i don't know i have no idea i I got a feeling that might have gone i haven't
1: seen anything like that here but hills in berkshire that's what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) yeah very
2: true very very true
0: how do you balance like commercial shoots with workshops and um and everything else that you do
1: yeah like i said before it wasn't really intentional that the the sort of the educational side of it whether it be but articles or, you know, workshops or videos and that sort of thing. It wasn't, wasn't like a formulaic plan that that was going to take over, um, my business. But yeah, as the years have gone on, it's, 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 you know, like when it started out, it was all commercial and then little bits of education, Mm. you know, sprinkled in there. And then as, as you know, time's gone on over the last five or six years, I suppose I've been doing it. It's, uh, it's now the lion's share of it is, is definitely the, you know, workshops and education side of it. So, um, and it's far easier for me it's far less stressful i get to plan my uh schedule okay we're having a workshop and i'm going to get x amount of money into the bank on this date i'm not waiting for the phone to ring right now if the phone rings that's a bonus yeah that's a great or oh, cool okay and and, and and i'm very fortunate that, that enables me to now i can finally turn down the high key fashion shoots you know i can finally just like no no hire my mum. Yeah. like she could do that for you please um with an iphone exactly yeah yeah um but yeah no i mean i'm exaggerating slightly i still do some of that stuff but you know if it if it if the pay is is like come on you can't you can't really turn that down then sure i'll I'll do it but i don't promote it because i don't want to shoot it so i don't i don't put it anywhere um and yeah so i get to be more selective with that work which is great and that's you know like i said i'm super fortunate i really you know appreciate the the, position that i'm in with that and i can just focus on doing the really creative stuff that engages me as it were yeah fantastic
0: well we're looking forward to seeing more of you and your workshops in 2021 and beyond which in fact um let us know when you're running a workshop in amersham next time because since that is literally
1: that's yeah that's nuts yeah that's crazy over the hill for me
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> i might just be dropping in so we have come to the end of Camera Shake Podcast episode 62. Jake, thank you so much for being on the show this week. It was an absolute education as always. Um, and I, I feel, I definitely feel a gel uh, lining challenge coming on. Done. Can't, yeah, sure.
1: can't wait to see this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll judge it for you free of charge. I can't do there more. There you go. Yay. That's it. Thank you. You've heard it here. Thank you. No, <laughs> no pressure.
2: No pressure there no <laughs> you're only allowed to yeah. say good things though
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure, 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 yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> fantastic right so if you have been listening to the audio version of this uh, of this <laughs> podcast, as I've said many times before, um you know make sure you head over to YouTube you know hit the uh, hit the like button um, subscribe to this channel that'd be super awesome likewise, if you insist on listening to our sultry voices over our beautiful faces in Technicolor, then, you know, do us a flavor and scroll down, give us a nice star rating and leave us a comment because that will make sure that our podcast is being found much more easily. Now, that being said, we've come to the end. That was Camera Shake Podcast episode 62. So you got it right this time. Well done. We will see you again next Thursday.
1: <laughs> Thanks guys. <laughs> Bye.